We'll praise the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, we are looking in John chapter 21 today. John chapter 21. This will be our last sermon out of the book of John. Uh, we, there, there are plenty more we could preach, but we'll, we'll stop here and change gears. Uh, those of you who are listening by live stream, hopefully you've got a wonderful signal. Uh, they're telling me you do. And uh, the new encoder uh, was paid for last week, uh, plus some additions to the computer. So things are running, they're telling me running really good. And uh, we praise the Lord. I thank the Lord for Jason. I'm not sure where he is right now. Oh, there he is back there. Uh, last night it was, uh, see, I guess I went over to Mason Creek about 10.30 or so, and his car was there. He was fixing cords and lining everything up, getting it all ready. I appreciate him and some other guys. I know Nathan and, and uh, John Paul, different ones, worked during the week to make sure that we have a good signal. So hopefully we're on the right road and things are going very well. Our desire is that you come, come go to church with us here in this building. There's nothing that takes the place of meeting together with God's children. Uh, but if you are one of those that's in a vulnerable uh, stage, then you need to do. And let me just tell you, if you're one of those that are sick, uh, shame, you can stay home. Uh, we don't want your germs. Uh, we're trying to do everything we can to stay well, uh, but we love you, and maybe you need to sit out a week or two. Hopefully this live stream will help you tremendously. I heard about the pastor that came home, and he walked through the door. He heard his little girl, their friends upstairs. They were hollering and calling each other names, and he stormed up the stairs, and he said, what in the world is going on? She said, don't worry about a thing, Daddy. We're just playing church. <laughs> you ever been in one of those like that where you just uh, had, had a little conflict there? John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed already. We praise your holy name. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to hide me behind the cross this morning. And I pray that people not hear a word from me, but they'll hear from you direct. Let your Holy Spirit deal with every person that's in this room. We all need you, Lord Jesus, more than ever before. So we trust you, believe in you, and are expecting you to do some great things in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, the theme of the, the book of John that we've been in for a year now has been these things we believe. And the, really, the, the ideal chapter to have closed, Now I'm not telling God what to do, 
but it looks like chapter 20 would have been a wonderful place to stop this thing. Uh, he gives the theme in chapter 20, verse 31, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. The book of John was written so that those who didn't know Jesus could come to know Jesus and have life through his name. We don't need chapter 21 for the Lord because the Lord knows he's going to restore Peter. He already knows that. You, you, we don't need chapter 21 to tell the Lord he needs to restore Peter. We don't really need chapter 21 to tell us Peter was restored because uh, we realize on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached that day with boldness. He became the first pastor of the first mega church. 3,000 people saved that day. And so we know that Peter was restored and all. So what do we have chapter 21 for? What is it there for? I believe chapter 21 is there to say to you and to say to me that when we fall down, when we fail, when we mess up, we don't have to stay down. Jesus comes to restore us. He comes to reconcile us and to lift us up. Every one of us in this building know people who started strong. And they have a desire to finish strong. I'm not doubting that whatsoever. But every one of us in this building know of people Oh, they'll blame it on different things. There are a lot of people blaming COVID-19 for everything. I mean, you know, if your britches get too tight, well, that's COVID-19. I mean, you know, whatever it is, the food, don't, that's COVID-19. We just blame everything on that, and that's all right. But I want to tell you, a lot of people are not serving God and in the house of God because they've chosen to do things that are not honoring God. They've chosen not necessarily bad things, They've just chosen to forego the, the very best thing. And in these last days, folk, I just remind you, we need the Lord more than we've ever needed him before. And not only do we need the Lord, we need each other more than we've ever needed each other before. So it's always too late to try to go back and straighten out a mess that you made. Sometimes it works. Most time it don't. Uh, you know, it just doesn't. But it's never too late to draw the line in the sand and say, from this day on, Lord, I'm going to follow you. From this day on, Lord, you can count on me. From this day on, I'm going to walk with you. Jesus is talking to Simon Peter. Can I remind you of that? We're talking about the Simon Peter that they all may leave you, Lord, but not me. Yeah, uh-uh. We're talking about the Simon Peter that whooped out a sword and cut off a soldier's ear. That's Simon Peter. We're talking about the Simon Peter that turned like a traitor and cussed like a sailor. That's Simon Peter. We're talking about this Simon Peter that run like a girl and cried like a baby. But in his mercy, whoo, mercy walked in, my soul. Mm, mercy walked in, filled him with the Holy Spirit, preached on the day of Pentecost, pastored the church. How, you say, Peter, how do you go from being a backslidden fisherman to becoming the pastor of a mega church. How do you do that? I think he'd have to say, I serve a sin-forgiving Savior, one who died on Calvary, rose again that third day, and he's the one who set me in this position. I didn't do it myself. Man didn't do it. God did it. God did it. How are we going to finish strong? That becomes more and more of a theme of mine. I guess the older you get, the more you want to, I just want to finish strong. I want to finish well. 
I don't want to, I don't want to tuck tail at the last of the finish line. I want to cross that line wide open. How do you do it? Well, number one, if we're going to finish strong, we got to finish with a life of active service. We've got to be active in service of the Lord. I heard about the preachers that were talking, and one of them said, how many members do you have who are, who are active, who are serving? And he said, all my members are serving. He said, well, good grief. Tell me how you do that. He said, you mean to tell me all of your members are actively serving? He said, every one of my members are actively serving. Some of them are actively serving the Lord. Some of them actively serving themselves. But they're all actively serving. You're here this morning. You got breath. You're serving. So Don, uh, uh, not Don. Who was that? Bob. Bob Dylan wrote that song years ago. You got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. Uh, verses 15 through 17. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Now the first time he added a little addendum onto that sentence. He said, do you love me more than these? And that's created quite a, quite a stir in theological circles because we're trying to figure out what more than these are. Uh, there's two trains of thought there, two chains of thought. Uh, more than these could be more than the other disciples. He's saying, Peter, remember Peter said, I go a fishing and there's six of them followed him over there. So there's seven of them out there in the boat. So Jesus is talking to Peter and he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these guys over here love me? Do you love me more than that? Now the next train of thought is more than these, and he's referring to the boat and the fishing nets and the trot lines and the, you know, all of the fishing gear and everything. Peter, do you love me more than all of this stuff over here? Do you, do you really love me more than that? Now, in the first chain of thought, more than the other apostles, I think what Jesus is saying here is, Peter, be careful. Don't be disqualified by your pride. Remember, it wasn't but a few days ago that you said you'd never leave me. And you did. Wasn't but a few days ago and you were cursing, trying to convince people that you didn't even know who I was. It wasn't very long ago that you whooped out a sword and, and, and this thing of denying me and this sword. And I think what he's saying is, Peter, are you still full of yourself? You ever get a time when you kind of think, you know, I'm the only one in this church that gives a rip. Nobody else seems to love the Lord. I'm the only one who loves the Lord. I think he's saying, Peter, have you come to your senses? Do you realize there are other people that love me? Or are you still full of yourself? Peter, do you realize you're like everybody else? You see, there's not a one of us in this room that cannot end up falling. And the more we think we can't, the better chance we've got of falling. Hmm. So the first possible thing is there. Do, do, you, do you think you love me? I think he learned his lesson. He said in 1 Peter 5, 5, you younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I think Peter learned his lesson. Now there may be some hint in the original language and some hint, I think, in what Jesus did not ask. Uh, for example, Jesus didn't ask about Peter's doctrine. He said, Peter, is your doctrine okay? Are you okay? See, there are folk, I, let me tell you, I know folk today who have their doctrine straight. I'm telling you, uh, I've met people uh, that can split a theological hair in 16 equal divisions. I mean, they've got it all straight. They just don't love. 
they mean as a junkyard dog. They're cantankerous, and they, they just don't love. He didn't say, hey, how's your dog? He didn't say, do you repent of your sin? See, if you love Jesus, you'll repent of your sin. He didn't ask Peter, do you have faith in me? We ought to have faith in him. But listen, when you're trusting Jesus and loving him, the faith comes there. He didn't ask, are you keeping my commandments? Because you see, if we love him, we just got through quoting that scripture, our scripture for the month. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. That's a pertinent question today. Are you keeping the commandments? It's not only pertinent, it's a pressing question. You need to answer that. Are you keeping the commandments of God? And then thirdly, it's a personal question. When you get to heaven, you're not going to say, well, I did better than so-and-so. That is irrelevant. That's irrelevant. It's personal for you. He didn't ask about Peter's orthodoxy here. Uh, he didn't ask about Peter's position. Uh, I know some preachers that, you know, I don't know. But, you know, let me just rephrase that. You can be a preacher and be lost. You can be a deacon and be lost. You can be a Sunday school teacher and be lost. He didn't ask about what position. I mean, what, what if we had Judas up here and said, Judas, let me ask you something. Do you love Jesus? Well, I was a member of the church. That's not what I ask. Do you love Jesus? Well, I was a charter member of the church. That's still not what I ask. Do you love Jesus? I was treasurer of the church. That's not what I ask. See, you can be all kinds of things and still not love Jesus. He didn't ask about his performance. Uh, in the English translation, it looks like Jesus just said, Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. But when you get to the Greek, it's different verbs. Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape love me? Do you supremely love me? Do you unconditionally love me? Do you love me above all others? So Peter is speaking back to Jesus. Jesus is saying, do you agape love me? Peter is saying, Lord, I phileo love you. That's where we get our word Philadelphia, the brotherly love. Now, there's not a whole lot of brotherly love going on in Philadelphia now, but that's what it was named after right there. His brother. So Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape love me? Peter's saying, Lord, you know I phileo love you. And then the second time, Peter, do you agape love me? Lord, you know I phileo love you. And the third time, Jesus uses Peter's word. And he said, Peter, do you phileo love me? And, and Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. You know, you know it all. Well, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt thee. You know what Peter learned? Peter learned that there were no people too small for God to use. But there are some people too big for God to use. You can become too big for your own britches. You can become so prideful that God can't use you. No matter how small you are, God can use you wherever you are. Now, the second interpretation here is don't be distracted by your pastimes. And see, they're, they're supposed to be waiting on Christ, and they've already failed that test because uh, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And so six others followed him out there, and when Christ comes, they've gone fishing. Now, there's nothing wrong with going fishing unless fishing keeps you from serving God. If fishing keeps you from serving God, something's wrong with it. Simon, I think what he's saying, are you really going to serve me? 
or are you going to be too busy in life making money that you ain't got time to serve me? Simon, are you really going to give me your time or are you going to spend your days doing what you want to do? If, if Christ were in this place today physically and he looked at you one-on-one in the eyes and said, look, do you love me more than, and then he waved over more than this RV, more than this bass boat, more than this new house, more than this family member, more than the sales paper. Ooh, you know there's some women love them sales papers. Huh? <laughs> Do you really love me more than all of these? Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or else he'll hold the one and despite the other, but you cannot serve God and mammon. You see, folk, our, our problem is we spend more time in the woods than we do in the Word. Our problem is we're letting our kids watch more games and more videos and all of that than we are teaching them the things of God. Mm. Do I have this up here on, do you know where your God really is? Do I have that on there? Yeah, there it is. You, you want to know how your God who he really is. You say, well, I know my God. No, no, let me tell you. I'll give you three things here that will prove what your God really is this morning. Number one is you get excited when your God is discussed. Now, you'll sit here and say, I'm not, I'm not real talkative, and I can't tell anybody about Jesus. That's because he ain't your God. You start talking about what your God is, and you'll talk about it. You'll be as excited as Benny Hinn at a crusade. I mean, you'll go nuts. Let me just tell you, when you get excited, when your God is discussed, that's who your God is. The second thing, though, is you get bothered when your God is threatened. Mm. And the third, I don't have time, you get offended when your God is criticized. That, that ticks you off. Man, I know people that cut off relationships because they, their God was a Republican Party. Somebody said something bad. Listen, come see me this week. I got a whole book of bad. And I, for all, who's your God? There's got to be a life of service, not, not just lip service, but active service. Amen? Active service. Now, let me give you the second thing quickly. There's got to be a life of sacrifice. Not only service, but a life of sacrifice. Look at verse 18 in chapter 21. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest go. Now, you know what he says? He said, Peter, let me talk to you about your death. Isn't that a blessing? When the Lord said, Let me talk to you about your death. <laughs> See, when, when we're talking about death, it ought to be an obituary type thing of how we thank God for what that person did. But it also ought to be an evaluation thing on our life and what we're doing. How we can do better. How we can do more. Someone has said, uh, we spend the first two years trying to get our kids to talk and walk. And then we spend the next 16 years trying to get them to be quiet and sit down. <laughs> he said, when you're younger, you're going to go and do things like you want to do them. You're going to have all kinds of abilities. 
Listen to me, I can line this stage up here with us old men that will tell you, you young people better enjoy life while you can. Because there comes a time when that odometer turns to a certain age that things begin to slow down. And you still think you can do what you used to do, but you realize you can't. And when you get older, you're dependent on, on others. Now, verse 18 would look like it's just out of place. I mean, who in the world put a verse like that in the Bible? But verse 19 is a commentary on verse 18. Look at verse 19. He said, this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. It, it, it's, he's talking about death. He said, Peter, you're going to live a longer time, and then somebody's going to take you, and they're going to hold you, and you're going to end up being crucified. History tells us probably 30, 35 years later, Nero crucified uh, Peter. Now, we, we want to think that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't deserve to be crucified right side up. But that's really a wives' tale. We really can't prove that in history. But we can prove he was crucified. He definitely was crucified. Now listen, we've not been called to be crucified physically, but we have been called to be crucified spiritually. That's what Galatians 2.20 says. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Uh, I, uh, but cr Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we're to be crucified. My will is to be crucified. My agenda is to be crucified. My, my purpose, my motives, my ideas, they're all to be crucified and then they're resurrected with Christ. He's the one I'm supposed to be purposing my life after. We need to get bold enough and say enough is enough. Uh, Rick Scarborough, he's preached here a couple of times, wrote a book probably 15 years ago called Enough is Enough, tremendous book, still as relevant today as it was then. He's talking about taking God out of schools, enough is enough. He's talking about trying to take your guns away. He's talking about transgenderism. We, we watching, uh, we've moved from uh, Murder, She Wrote, over to the uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, we're going to be ready for Christmas, I'll tell you right now. Uh, we've been watching Christmas movies for three months. And uh, Thursday night, this whole week's been new Christmas movies. Thursday night, uh, they worked in just real indiscreetly there, real discreetly, uh, uh, two lesbians. Friday night, they worked in two gay guys. And we hadn't seen last night yet. We are too busy. And, and it's, just, it, it's just, you say enough is enough. But you know what I'm telling you enough is enough about? I want to tell you, I believe enough is enough of this politically correct, cheap Americanism Christianity that says we can embrace Jesus and still live the same life we've been living. Hey, that's enough of that. You can't embrace Jesus and live like you used to live. He'll change your heart. He'll change your mind whether you want to or not. He'll change everything about you. Mm. Away with all of this. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 9? He said, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and come follow me. And then he goes on. We, we stop there. But he goes on to say, 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself? What does it profit you if you were filthy rich and you gain this whole world and you end up spending eternity in a place called hell? What would that profit? None. None. Now that's hard to preach in today's churches because to us, sacrifice is being asked to move out of our Sunday school class down to another Sunday school class. That's sacrifice. Sacrifice to us is being asked to, would you volunteer in the nursery? You say, that, that's service, but it's not sacrifice. You say, preacher, you don't know the kids I got when I got over there in the nursery. <laughs> to us, sacrifice, who sacrifice? That means taking $1,000 out of your $500,000 401k to give to the Lord. Whew. I didn't expect any amens there. <laughs> One commentator put it like this, if the prophecy of Peter's death seems a little radical for you, it may be the one who prophesied it, it too radical to be your savior because Jesus is the one prophesying this. And then there's got to be a motive. Verse 19, he continues, this spake he's signifying by what death he should glorify God. Whether we live or whether we die, it ought to be to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. The motive is that God would be glorified. See, when I come and I go past the offering plate back here and put my offering in, I, I'm not just giving this gift. I'm declaring that he is worthy of me even doing without, if that's what it takes. When I'm here on a cold day, I'm declaring that he's worthy to, to, to take the second mile and to serve him, whether it's rain or heat or ice. It, it's my, 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 my gift to you. There was a missionary in the Amazon had a crusade. He won this guy to the Lord. And on Tuesday of the next week, there was a, a knock at the missionary's door. And here was this young man that just had been saved. And he had a basket of fruit. And he said, what, 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 what are you doing? He said, I brought you a basket of fruit saying, thank you for telling me about Jesus. He said, man, you, you live six-hour walk from here. That's 12 hours. You didn't have to bring me that fruit. You walked six hours over here to give me a basket of fruit. And the man looked at the missionary and he said, long walk, part of the gift. Let me ask you something. Have you been on a long walk with the Lord lately? <laughs> Is there anything in your life that we could tie into the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, let me just tell you about me, and you can leave me under the bus. But the real truth is, I often give my Savior lesser things and leftovers. I was listening to a pastor friend, and I stole this from him. 
and he stole it from another guy, so we don't know who wrote it. I changed up some things. But would you think with me just for a moment, Alf, anybody here know Alf? Come from another planet, E.T. If you don't know Alf, maybe E.T. We're talking about somebody from, a, from another planet that doesn't know our customs, doesn't know what we normally do, doesn't know what's right or what's wrong, you know. They're just here visiting. And uh, he visits your family on a regular average weekend in the fall. It's Friday night. Alf knows that something is up because at 2.30, people are beginning to gather at this arena. And the thing don't even start until 7.30. I mean, they've got barbecue on their tailgates and they've got all kinds of things. There's, a, there's green grass out there with white stripes and a logo in the middle of the field. And everybody's got a logo on their cap. Everybody's got a logo on their shirts, on their jackets and everything. It's a big thing. And when the event begins, the arena is packed. Some of them traveled locally. Some of them from all over the country to try to get there to watch that event in that arena. They scream until they can't talk anymore. You've been there? Don't lie to me. You can sit here if you want to. I'm telling you. They scream. I've done the same thing. I remember that Dave Portnatius beat Nederland at the last second, and I throwed my hat 30 foot up in the air. Becky was saying, thank God that hat's gone. We were walking out the gate, so help me. And a guy said, Brother Charles, I believe this was your hat. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> they, they've traveled, they scream. It, it goes into what they call overtime. And everybody is excited about it, that they get to stay longer than what they thought they were going to. They get to stay longer. And they're texting and they're tweeting and they're Facebooking and they're Instagramming all of this news to this great event because they want to satisfy the brokenhearted people who wanted to come but couldn't come. And when it's over, they're shouting by those who got what they wanted and they're crying by those who didn't get what they wanted. Now it's Saturday morning. Alf hears the alarm go off at his host's bedroom at 4.30 jumps up quickly. He has a quick cup of coffee. He can't have but just a little coffee because if he drinks too much coffee, that could be detrimental to what he's going to do the rest of the morning. He clothes himself in four layers of clothing. Last layer looks like a cross between a pine forest and an oak grove. He sprays himself down with a mysterious odor and then he sprays the sole of his shoes with liquid waste from a forest animal. He gets in his truck and travels 45 minutes, climbs up a pine tree under the cover of darkness. He's arriving early because he don't want to miss a thing. He wants to be there early. He sits there for hours as icicles form on his multicolored ski mask. He's on the edge of his seat, the, the, the slightest twig breaking or rustling of the leaves, and he's there. And after four hours, Alf knows that this is really important because he calls his, a buddy and says, hey, I didn't see anything. Let's try it again Monday morning early before work. Now it's Sunday morning. Eight o'clock, the alarm goes off. Three cups of coffee, quick shower, 
whole crew heads out the door. E.T. knows that today is not nearly as important as Friday and Saturday because the whole crew is already 10 minutes late and nobody's bothered about it. Who could I get an amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Whatever is happening on this Sunday is not nearly as important. They're invited to sing and clap, but most folk don't do it. Alf already knows that this is not what is, is important. After the singing and the clapping and even some shouting, a man, a good-looking distinguished man, <laughs> stands in the pulpit. <laughs> and uh, he gets up to speak, and the speaker occasionally requests an amen, but seldom gets one. And Alf begins to think, maybe we could go get some of those little girls that had them short skirts on Friday night and bring them down here to the church and maybe do a little, we got an amen. Yes, we do. We got an amen. How about you? Maybe that would work. At the end of the speech, you better thank God mercy covered you, brother. <laughs> At the end of the speech, one person responds and the host is offering an embarrassing apology. I know we're staying a little longer than we're supposed to. And he apologizes. And then it finally ends. People scramble out. The hallways are full. And they're talking about what happened Friday night and Saturday. Now, I'm not saying this would ever happen. But which one of those events do you think Alf thinks is the most important? Guys, you know, enough is enough. We need to start teaching our children and our young people that God is the most important thing in this world. You can live without a refrigerator. You can live without a, a, a microwave. But listen, you can't live without Jesus. A life of service, and then there has to be a life of submission. After telling Peter about his death, Jesus uses those same two words in verse 19. He saith unto him, follow me. That's the same two words he used when he called Peter the first time. He said, follow me, follow me. And I believe with all my heart that Peter is geared up, ready to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 21. But old Slewfoot, that devil, he's always there. Peter looks over his head, shoulder, and there's old John, the beloved disciple. And Peter says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Lord, what about John? Is he going to have to die? <laughs> and honestly, if you get into the Greek, Jesus gives him a pretty straightforward answer here. He doesn't cut a lot of slack. What about him, Lord? Does he have to die too? Jesus is saying here, if I let him live longer than that, what business is that of yours? You follow me. If I bless him more than I bless you, that's none of your business. You follow me. 
if I exalt him in some way that I don't exalt you in, that's still none of your business. You follow me. If I give him a bigger Sunday school class than I give you, that's none of your business. Your job is to follow me. If they start letting their kids dress like a bunch of hussies, that's none of your business. You follow me. Follow Christ. And then there's a sure faith in Jesus. Literally true. Verse 25, there are many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. See, this book here, this is just the highlight you, if we wrote down everything Jesus did, there, there's no way we could contain it. There, there's too many things. What I'm telling you is that there's enough evidence in this book. Following Christ is not taking a shot in the dark. Following Christ is stepping into the light. There's more proof about Jesus than there is Napoleon. Follow Christ. You got all the evidence you need. Finishing strong. Finishing strong. Lots of stress today. People are weary. COVID-19. My my wife says I go through the change of life about every 20 years. (laughs) When I was 30, we left a great church, big church, and went to one with 14 people in it. When I was 50, we were on our way out of here to go to Colorado. And a couple of people called and said, we want you to come here. I left a big church to come here with 50 people. I'll be 70 here, not long. Another 20-year experience, something, something wild going to happen. But you know why I came to this place? Ultimately, the thing that, that made the difference, because they asked me, why do you want to go to Colorado? And I told them explicitly. Denise was one of them. Sheila, I don't know who all else in here, which one, this committee. I said, I don't want to come to a church in East Texas because I'm 50 years old and I want to finish strong. I want to tell people about Jesus. I don't want to be sitting in board meetings. I don't want to be in committee meetings. I don't want to hear all this junk. I just want to be a soul winner and tell people about Jesus. And they said, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we want. And that's what we've done for a long time. But the news this morning is, I'm afraid we've gotten sidetracked. I'm afraid we're so thrilled with all of the new buildings and all of the new ministries, all of the wonderful things, and we forgot the most important thing of everything is the souls of men, women, children, and young people. Their souls are more important than everything else. Let this building burn to the ground if that's what it takes to get our eyes off of things and onto Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. I want this church to finish strong. I think we're in the last days of the last days. And I believe more than any other time, if we're going to do anything for Jesus Christ, we ought to be doing it now. We ought to be doing it now. 
Now, I realize this morning that much, much of this message is to save people. You see, Peter had already made a profession of faith. He was saved. Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? After the profession of faith. If you're here this morning and you never trusted Christ, I want to tell you the good news is this morning, he loves you. So much more that he gave his life on Calvary for your sin so that you could have eternal life. And you've got that option to be saved this morning. But for most of us in this building, we're, we're in Peter's shape. We're saved. But the Lord's asking us, you really love me? Do you love me more than these? And then he motions to whatever we've got that's so important to us. I'm going to pray that this would be a good service to have an old-fashioned altar call where some of y'all give up the junk you've got in your life and say, Lord, I do love you, and I'm going to follow you. Now, you're still going to fall. You're going to see a neighbor get a new car, and you're going to say, Lord, why does he get a new car, and I can't get a new car? You can get a new car. Anybody in this room can buy a car. You may pay 19% interest, but you can buy one. It's all irrelevant. Do you love him more than these? Lord, we're grateful for your love and mercy. We're thankful for that when we could not save ourselves, you came and stepped in and you provided salvation for us. Lord, I ask you this morning, would you just touch people's hearts? Lord, when you ask me straight out right, do you love me? Lord, help me not to start with all the excuses and all of the escape things to get out. Let me just be serious and do business with you and do what you want me to do. That's my prayer, Lord Jesus, in your name. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron leads us. These altars are open. I pray they'll be filled today with people. You come right now. Come on.